So long-time listeners of the show know that I like to mix things up here on Tube Talk. Yes, we're going to have people talking about thumbnails and titles and algorithm. And then we're also going to have people talking about brand deals and how to make more money using YouTube. And I also love to dive into creators' stories. People doing amazing things on their platform. And I've got lots and lots of lessons for us to learn. So today, guys, we're speaking to Chris Turner, who's a comedian genius. He is a freestyle rapper who makes these amazing raps up right on the spot using audience suggestions. He has millions of views on his videos. He sells out his comedy gigs and has so many valuable lessons for us to learn. You're going to love him. Let's jump right in. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I'm a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day we help creators big and small level up their channels with good strategy, get more views, more subscribers in less time. So I stumbled on today's guest by accident. I was doing a search in one of his thumbnails really caught my attention. I read the title and I thought, wow, I've got to listen to this video. And I did. Absolutely loved it. I have binge watched his entire content of library on his YouTube channel. And I've reached out to him on Twitter and I said, hey, we need to chat. You can teach us so many valuable lessons just the way that you do your YouTube. Chris has been awesome. He's been traveling around the world, but he's made time for us. Chris, welcome to Tube Talk. Hello there. Thank you very much for having me. It's exciting to have you. Thank you for making the time. For people who don't know you, how do you describe Chris Turner in a tweet? So I am a, a British comedian and freestyle rapper. Okay, that is not something you hear every single day. No, I mean, I hear it every single day, but that's only because that's how I introduce myself to everyone I meet, even if I'm just ordering coffee. <laughs> All right, so you have a YouTube channel. You, yeah. And what do you do on your channel? So on my channel, I um, post videos of my live performances um, because they are almost entirely improvised. And so I'm in that fortunate position, which many other comedians aren't in, unless they're turning over a huge amount of material by turning over, I mean, writing, performing, mm -hmm. burning is what we call it. Cause once it's online, an audience could see it and you might not want to use it again live. But I, I post videos of my live shows uh, and also do live streams of freestyle raps for my subscribers and whoever cares to watch. <laughs> and for people who don't know what a freestyle rap is. Oh, yeah. I should clarify that. That is uh, so every, pretty much every rap you hear on the radio or you know, elsewhere is going to be on the radio. Do you just say radio? Yeah, shush, calm <laughs> down. I'm an old man. Um, every rap you hear is written. It's prepared in advance. Someone sat down and written it like, a, you know, they put some thoughts into the lyrics. What I do is I put no thought into the lyrics whatsoever. I make them up on the spot and I am blown away by how people actually enjoy it, despite the lack of effort that goes in. <laughs> Basically, you get up there in front of a random group of strangers mm -hmm. and you essentially ask them for some suggestions. Yeah, yeah. So I, I go on stage and I'll, I'll you know, tell jokes and stuff. And people, it's interesting. People see my videos. They go, so wait, if I come and see you do a show, is it just an hour of this? I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> this is like the finale. I mean, in my shows, I do multiple freestyle raps, but I'll also perform written raps, comedy songs, stand-up comedy. Uh, 
but I go up there, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to make up a rap. And my, the, my common format on YouTube is I get five suggestions or sometimes a few more from the audience. So I'll be like, what do you want to rap about? And someone will go, you know, getting a hole in your sock or uh, spilling ketchup down your shirt at a barbecue. Or maybe someone will just say a word. Someone will be like, you know, like girl power. And then I will go, great, this is going to be a rap about all those things. I drop a beat and then for three to four to five minutes, I improvise kind of like, you know, whose line is it anyway would improvise right. the song, but at a much better level than that because they weren't that great improvised musically. <laughs> Whoa, it's a sick burn. I then make up a rap on stage, which has to rhyme perfectly, be entertaining, be interesting, be correct, and have punchlines in it. And often I'll like switch voices and play characters in the rap. This is a long way around of saying that I make up a rap on stage and the audience go... Uh, absolutely bonkers. I was searching for a family-friendly word to use then, <laughs> and yet they go bonkers. Bonkers is the best we can come up with. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm a lyrical master, and that's what I'm coming up with. <laughs> oh, and, and what's amazing to see is how it actually makes sense. So, just for those who think that this is just basically words that rhyme, no. I mean, there's an entire story that's built into it, and you go from one to the other to the other as if this has been prepared before. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has to be that there's that initial shock from an audience who doesn't know what I do. Like, oh, wow, although he's a posh white British guy, he can actually rap. And then it has to beyond that be good. So it's them going, whoa, how did he just link from this subject to this right, subject? I right. had no idea. Like, I, I did a rap the other day about, which included medical debt and road, uh, a man who'd won 40 rodeos who was in the audience. And so I talk about him winning the rodeos, but then I'm like, oh, he lost one because he got bucked off and he broke his collarbone. And now because of the healthcare system here, he's in a severe amount of medical debt. Now I did that with jokes and rhyming, right, but yeah. the audience are like, wow, that's like a, a story. And you tell the story and you play the guy with the eggs <laughs> and I won all the rodeos. And yeah, you, you just kind of, magic it out of thin air and i think people are impressed at the cohesion and the coherence of it and one thing that that makes me really happy is i have fans who will come to shows from far away like i was in australia on the east on the west coast and someone had flown in from sydney on the east coast which is like four to five hours to fly mm -hmm. and he sat in the front row and he was like i've got my suggestion please let me shout out in the rap and so i came to him first he shouted his suggestion it was a really good suggestion he'd obviously put a lot of thoughts into it i can't remember what it was <laughs> and then i do the rap and he was like oh that was perfect thank you so much i'm gonna be thinking about that blah 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 and people who know i can do it they're even more impressed because they try and challenge yes. me. A guy drove to Vegas from LA, which is weird because I live in LA and I was only <laughs> for a week. You should have just waited. But he was like, <laughs> I wanted you to rap about ancient Sumerian cuneiform texts. I was like, great. Wow. Just that. And I did it. And afterwards he waited behind. He's like, how do you even rap about that? I was like, if you've watched some of my early videos, you will know I have an archaeology degree. And yeah. so that was a piece of cake. But <laughs> yeah. Even when it's no longer a surprise, it's still impressive. And in some ways more satisfying because they have tried to stump me. Right. And I've kind of cleared that hurdle. That's not to say I don't get stumped sometimes. But I was going to ask you, do, do, does, do you ever kind of encounter a situation when someone shouts out something you think is cool, but you have no way of linking it eventually? 
Um, well, I can always link them. And even if I can't link, there's no requirement for me to link. I can just stop one part of the rap and then just make a rhyme that sets up the next bit. And right. it's funny. No one's going to go, oh, that was a juddering transition. <laughs> no, they're going to be like, oh, this is too funny to even think about that. But, you know, the other night, someone suggested the Donna Party. Apparently, that's a kind of American cultural touchstone, a, a group of miners that were stranded and then they ate each other to survive. And what I, I just said to the woman, I was like, oh, well, to me, a Donner party would be like a celebration with kebabs, like Donner meat. Donner kebab, yeah. I don't think that's what you're talking about. And she explained it. And I was like, okay, cool. Thank you very okay. much for that. This will be a wrap about that. And no one, that, that when I, I'm surprising people when I know about the things, but when someone says something and I don't know about it, the, the challenge is not, oh, I know everything. It's right. like rap about anything. Okay. So no one minds explaining the thing especially if it's a cultural reference that they know i'm not going to get if someone's like barry bonds i mean again that's by example because i know that but if someone said an obscure baseball player they would not expect me to know it and therefore they're impressed that i can rap about something i don't know the whole accent thing people are much more forgiving and they they're okay to work with you um i think i think so um i mean i've had some people who'll suggest something and i'll go cool do you want to expand on that and they're like no I'm like, fine. <laughs> Someone, again, a couple of weeks ago said a, a transformative journey through the something. There was another word, something cloud. And I was, and that just was nothing. It was like an inside joke between two people. And, you know, I then have to rap about that. What's annoying with that is if it's something that no one else knows about, yeah. and it's not really a thing. It doesn't hit as hard right. with those topics. All you're doing is just trying to, rhyme it come up with a couple of couplets to explain it because i think that's one thing that sets me apart from other freestyle rappers a lot of freestyle rappers will just rhyme the thing and move on yes whereas i'm trying to make comedy out of it and try and educate things and one of my favorite things to see on my videos is my commenters will be like i love that i learn something every yes. time i watch a video and that's quite cool because I, i was very lucky to have a very privileged education and so i feel i get to share Hmm. things i've learned with people well and it's i mean sometimes i watch some of your videos and you could easily have stopped at a point i mean you you've rhymed it it's funny everybody laughs you could have moved on to the next one but you go two three four more bars on the same thing just because you're really kind of bringing the point in yeah and i think also those are the areas where we create right when you push yourself past where you're comfortable um so that's why when I live stream, I, I, I limit to like an hour and a half just because I lose my voice otherwise and often sure, I'll sure. in the evening. But I like mixing up occasionally where I'll say, okay, I'm just going to take one topic for this three-minute rap. Because then that's challenging. Yes. And you really put your brain in a panic state, which actually is what activates you know, the kind of adrenaline and the flow that you need to be able to do it. Because if you're thinking about what word is going to come next, that's when you struggle. It's only when you work subconsciously and get into flow and it becomes effortless whilst simultaneously requiring a lot of effort if that makes yeah sense. effortless is not the word i would <laughs> absolutely have used uh, and i'm always amazed of how you just come up with it and it's good i mean it's not just slapstick comedy for the sake of rhyming it and moving on it's like really good as if you've had time to prep and yeah. every I, I, one of your shows you kind of tell them look it's never going to be repeated again it's never yeah. been heard before Although people point out that I'm lying because they're like, well, you then post them on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. I try and steer away from 
I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, if an audience suggests like UTI, that was a recent one, then right. I, you know, I've got to take it. But I, I'm not actively encouraging them to come up with things like, you know, waxing your, your bum or things that are easy targets. I want someone to say something like the, the change in men's fashion in the, between the 1920s and the 1950s. I want that because I want to try and make that funny. Right. And I think that's where my skill comes out rather than anyone could do a few rhymes about erection and collection, you know, and, and make that funny. Whereas, and one thing I used to do a lot was if someone, but this is more in the UK, drunk audiences would love to shout out crude things. Oh, and I would just make them so biological and so detailed <laughs> that people would be like, oh, that was actually quite gross. I, I didn't want you to say the word seminal vesicle, but and so that that way it's it's funny to me to flip stuff on right. its head and i think that's kind of what my fans if i may call them that uh expect of me now like if i just did a oh. rap about uh, having sex they'd be like oh well that's uh, <laughs> that easy for you yeah you can you can get that anywhere but what you bring is kind of almost the intelligence side of it which is yeah what, which is yeah what's which great. is i'm i'm glad that i kind of bring that because it Stops my mother from going, what are you doing with all your education? <laughs> we paid for this. Yeah, exactly. Do you know how your brain puts this together so quickly? Because it's just, wow. So, uh, I mean, I have a friend who's a psychologist who wrote a book in Danish, annoyingly, so I can't actually understand it, about the psychology of freestyle rap. And that, I mean, that's actually a book we're translating together. So I do know how it goes now. Right, right. But he's explained to me how I do it. Because I always thought, there's no possible way to explain it. And then he explained how I did it. And I went, that's exactly how <laughs> I did it. Which is just a combination of flow state, right? It's, okay. It purely is turning off the part of your brain that monitors speech and letting yourself go into these kind of uncharted areas. Um. And when you're starting out, you definitely can't get into that. And so you're actively being like, okay, I just said the word controller. What rhymes with that? And that's when you struggle. You'll be like, oh, I'm just going to say controller again. Whereas right. in a subconscious state, you're trusting your brain. And then your brain's suddenly going to start rapping about cereal. And you're like, why? And your brain's like, trust me, we're going to rhyme granola with this. <laughs> and it's going to go crazy. We're going to get there. Just let your brain do its work. Yeah, you have to trust your brain. And I... I, I, in a couple of like videos where I've been interviewed about how I do it, I bring up the scene in Lord of the Rings where Legolas is running along a bridge and it starts collapsing and he jumps from the one collapsing block to the next and it defies physics, but he's doing it. And he, he jumps just as the block falls and then to the next one. And I feel like that's what I'm doing. So sometimes I'll watch the video and I'll go, ooh, that split second there, I remember my brain panicking because I didn't have a rhyme but then I just get the rhyme in just on the beat and so much so that people wouldn't notice. It's only me noticing. So yeah, that panic mode is when I just have to trust my brain, which is why sometimes when I rap when I'm sick or rap when I'm jet lagged, it, that's hard. And I have to induce further panic by choosing a fast beat or an unusual beat or making myself deliberately uncomfortable, which I can do in like a multitude wow. of boring ways, which is you know, stage stance or stage speed or looking at someone in the audience I wouldn't usually look at, all that kind of stuff, holding a glass or microphone with your other hand. Ooh, There's a lot of okay. weird psychology that I put into it. So things which are not your norm 
which means you have to kind of go with it. Yeah, I mean, not to advertise another podcast on this podcast, but there is a great episode about, um, it's on Cautionary Tales, which is a podcast of Cautionary Tales about um, the Keith Jarrett uh, uh, Colm concert, which was it's the, you know, the best-selling solo jazz album mm-hmm. of all time, best-selling piano album of all time. And that, the, the guy explains that was recorded on a piano that was out of tune. Some keys didn't work. It was too small for the concert hall. And so Keith Jarrett was like, I don't want to play this concert. And then they begged him because 1,400 people were there. And he's like, fine. And, and he had to work with what he had. So he had to play it aggressively. He could only use certain keys. So he only uses a few chords throughout the album, like just vamping on them. And he improvises. That was, that was his thing. And you listen to it and it's magical. The album's just perfect. You cannot comprehend that. Because I, I, I didn't know that the piano was broken. Right. Um, and it was already my favorite. It's probably you know one of my favorite albums of all time. Definitely top five. And he is purely in flow state the whole way through. And by limiting yourself and setting challenges, and this is again a psych- psychologically backed up thing, which is in this book that we're translating, you 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 set yourself a challenge to force your brain to work harder, which is why I take topics, right? If I just said, I'm going to freestyle for three minutes, yeah, the audience would be like, oh, well, he could have just, you know, he's not rapping about any input from us. Mm-hmm. But it's harder to rap about nothing for three minutes oh, wow. than it is to rap about five things. Um, that's a kind of little secret <laughs> thing there. I mean, I can rap about nothing. I can do it easily, but it's not as impressive because by having those guide guides like the challenge is yeah you've got to hit the word you've got to make the rhyme of the transition well, what's always cool is when you watch your video as you hit those that that suggestion you watch people's faces and they just light up like it's unbelievable how you manage yeah. to get that and to actually make it make sense that's, that is again that's a using a psychological technique because that's right. a dopamine release so that's them that's satisfaction that's right. you hit a button and a piece of cheese comes out what they're doing is they're waiting and they know when they hear, say someone suggested granola and I'm rhyming up and they don't know it's coming. But then when I say like, I like to slim down, I'm a calorie controller, a proteinous breakfast, consume that granola. People just go, because they kind of knew it was coming and you see them. And then when you hit that satisfaction and I've seen it before, like sometimes I'll flub a line or I'll, for some reason I'll, shift a word onto a different bar like if you put granola in the middle of a sentence or if and this is again a defunct thing because i don't take food suggestions but i would take the suggestion cutting down weight by eating granola that would be a great suggestion whereas the suggestion (laughs) granola would be weak um you see if you don't put it at the end of the line people don't notice it as much and it doesn't get that release so when i'm playing gigs that i have to smash uh, in the sense of comedy, like you have to, you know, have a great gig. Mm-hmm. I will deliberately kind of dial down the complexity of my raps to increase the satisfaction. Like a 1am gig at the Comedy Cellar in New York, I'm not looking for, I won't prime the audience for the suggestions. Like I prime them by going, these are the type of suggestions I want, as in like complex ones. Like give me um, a day in the life of an Aztec high priest, geographic <laughs> locations, ninth century crop rotation. Give me these things. If I say that, I get phrases suggested. If I say, you know, just hit me with some suggestions like whiskey or headphones or, you know, the passing of time, then you get more simple suggestions, which for a drunk crowd, you need. You need, yeah. Like, 
I, I had to rap about an obscure Netflix series that only five people in a room of 200 had seen. Now I'd seen it, so it was fine. But that, I remember that was just for, I could go on about that for three minutes, but it was getting nothing from the room. Right. And so I was like, Oh, well someone said high heels. So I'm just going to stop rapping about high heels. And when you're hitting that, like, you know, women sure, falling sure. over when they're drunk and breaking their ankles and Louboutins and stuff, that's when the crowd go wild because simple releases. Love it. So let's just kind of circle it back to your channel itself. Yeah. You, know, you're, you have lots of content on your channel. Do you use your channel purely as a advertising platform to say, hey, look what I can do? Or so what's the thought behind that? It definitely started out as that. I, I used to just put videos up every now and again. This is years ago, um, like 2013. But before, I had videos before then, like stand-up videos that went kind of viral and did well. Um, I would just put them up and send them to promoters because you need a platform for someone to see a video and it was free. So of course I use it. And then it was when I started gigging regularly at clubs that had video recording equipment that I started thinking, Oh, I should just, these raps are ephemeral. They last for that show, but I can put them online and people who like me can see them. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a chance that, you know, one of them will take off and I'll make more fans. So it's, it started out as a kind of advertising repository in a sense, like, oh, this is storage of my favorite raps, right? Because right. also, if they're on YouTube, they're stored. I mean, I would hope. Uh, and, you know, I'm, my laptop's got limited space. So I'd be like, cool, I can take it off my phone, put it on there, delete it off the phone and laptop. And then when I need it, download it again, it's 82 megabytes. And I'm like, oh, this quality is rubbish. <laughs> But it's there. I mean, it's your long catalog of stuff. Exactly. When I die tragically young, which is still possible, even though I'm 30, when I die, uh, I'll be able to direct my grandchildren. You know, I need to have children first. I'll direct them. I'll go, you know, go, oh, look, your granddad was an amazing rapper. And they'll be like, yeah, he's okay. We don't like it. He raps too much about granola. <laughs> and so has that evolved over time? Are you kind of finding that you're using the platform slightly differently now? Yeah. So now it's, it's a marketing tool in the sense that I have, I've been lucky enough to amass a kind of what feels like quite a loyal fan base. Um, people who will watch every video and critique videos and pick their favorite parts and say, oh, for me, you know, this is your best one or this is number two after this other one that I like a lot. And right. my favorite line of these years' videos was this one. And then I, within the videos, I'm able to say, hey, you should come and see me live. Or I can say, I'm coming on tour. And then with the kind of the community features that YouTube has, I can, like one thing that's been really cool is, kind of crowdsourcing shows um and like there's a lot of opportunity for crowdsourcing which i'm i want to explore soon like like live streaming is great but i want to do like crowdsource freestyle raps like hey in the next uh, 24 hours suggest some topics i'll put up a poll we'll pick the best ones and then i'll release a little freestyle just for you guys that's based on you know the most popular suggestions that came out but one thing i like doing is i post like hey I have an opportunity to come to this country on these days. Let me know if you're there and if you want me to do a show. And so I I tried that out over Christmas and I had like three people who I knew were in Hamburg. And so I posted like, I'm going to come to Hamburg. Uh, Like, let's do a show. And so 
some people were like, reach out to this guy. We put on a show and with 10 days notice, we had 60 people in Hamburg to see me in this small little room. And I was amazed. I was astounded. Like, oh, Brilliant. all these people came out to see me in <laughs> Hamburg. What? That's why. I mean, it turns out I have a bunch of fans in Germany, which is super cool. Uh, so I've done it again. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in Germany on these days. Let me know where to go. And everyone's like, come to Berlin. So now I'm looking to organize a gig in Berlin. And Brilliant. I, I love that my, my, the reason I got into comedy is because I performed comedy on stage at a gig and I thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to do this. I was going to become a lawyer. I went to Oxford University. I had like these great degrees. I, I then discovered comedy and thought, oh my gosh, this is the life. <laughs> so I do that. And being on stage is my happiest place. I, I, being on stage, I feel the person I should be, if that makes sense. Like me on stage is the me I want to be all the time. Now that would be tiring and frustrating and horrible and no one would want that. But for, <laughs> for the hour I'm on stage, it's amazing. So the fact that I can use YouTube to bring people to those live shows is really cool. And you also get that delightful thing, which is I just got back from doing shows in Australia. And one, you would have people lose their minds when they saw you. Mm. Like, even though they might be, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you've only watched my videos for the last couple of months. Like grown men squealing with (laughs) delight. Like, oh my God, it's you. It, oh, can I get a photo? I'm like, of course you can. I'm just me. I don't mind. Nowhere else in the world do I get asked for this. And they're so excited. But then secondly, people just bumping into you and going, whoa, wait, are you Chris Turner? Right. I, I watch all your videos. Why are you here? <laughs> they're, they're no, they have no idea why you're there. And you're like, oh, I should uh, make it more apparent in my videos that I am in certain places at certain times. <laughs> so... It, it's so fun to me to use it as a way to build a connection between me and the audience to kind of ratchet up anticipation and yeah, to advertise that I am a live performer and you can see me and come and try and like knock me for six by suggesting something right. you think I can't rap about and then be amazed when I can. Well, we have to explain that knock me for six is a cricket term. Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> with you because you're from a cricketing nation. But so, uh, you are now living in America where uh, it's cricket is just quiet baseball. But w- what I do love about YouTube is the fact that you could be doing this here in LA, uploading a video, and then you can basically kind of touch people around the world. People can connect with you. They're waiting for your next video. And using that as a way to bring people together, using this as a way to understand where your next gig is going to be. If you say, hey, I'm coming to Hamburg and, be, and it's crickets, well, maybe Hamburg's not a good place for you to do your next yeah. show. You know? Yeah. Well, we're currently doing a UK tour and my agent updates me with the sales and he's like bringing through the sales and I'm like, wow, I'm really glad that this city loves me. This city, uh, if you don't buck your ideas up, you are never getting visited again. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're, you're 30 minutes away from this other city. Why is this one a fan right. and the other one's not? And then uh, you become very xenophobic against your fellow fellow countrymen. Okay, get a better internet connection. Maybe you'll see what it's all about. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to say when I rock up there. Just alienate them completely and then try and win them back. 
Yeah, as one does, that's perfect. What could what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, so, kind of, do you use any other social media platforms like a TikTok or Instagram? Yeah, oh gosh, oh TikTok. I need I need to. I've so what I've learned is this is the, this is a big gripe I have, and it's no, it's purely my laziness. YouTube, right? My YouTube videos, I can just edit down. Like I know that. Instagram doesn't necessarily want like my nine minute YouTube video, but if I edit the four minute rap and put that on with the words, it, it does fine. It doesn't do anywhere near as big as YouTube because I have the subscriber base, but I've seen that my, since I started putting stuff on my Facebook and my Instagram, uh, I've seen that people like them and they get shared by big people and they're building those platforms. But again, like my Facebook and Instagram are both about 6,000. They're very they're much smaller compared to my YouTube, which is on just over 200 and oh, well, 200,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there are things I want to do more, but it is easy because I get, you know, I put my YouTube videos up and I started putting subs on using rev.com. Cause are we allowed to say that yeah, yeah, subscriber <laughs> service, um, who I, I found really good and they would do them super quick. And I did that because, People were asking, hey, I, I don't speak English as the first language. It would be great if we had subtitles. And I see that 5 to 10% of people put on the subtitles, and that's useful for them. Now, I think there's more people who would want them, but they don't actually realize they're on there. But I'm also loath to hard code subtitles onto a video um, for YouTube. However, because I have that file, I then just upload it onto uh, my Instagram videos, my Facebook videos, and hard code them on there because, again, no one listens to videos with sound on Instagram and Facebook. And so that is easy, right? I just use the same thumbnail. I put it on. But with TikTok, I've tried to put bits on there, like a one-minute clip from a YouTube video that works. And it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So for TikTok, I feel you have to make native content for that, which is fine. But then I'm still... There's so much I want to make for YouTube, right? Right, right. So suddenly it's now like, okay, when we're out filming with this, we need to also have, uh, you know, essentially a phone or just be filming vertical for that. But then even that I don't think works. I think for TikTok it needs to be, I need to come up with some kind of bite-sized format. And I, again, I, I know that it would work on there because I've had like TikTok people that have reached out to be like, hey, your videos are great. We would like you to be doing big on this platform. And I know it's going to be, I mean, it's huge now. It's going to be so big, like sure. But it's but you're right. I think with each platform, you do have to understand that the audience is slightly different, and oh, yeah. therefore you have to cater for that audience. We're kind of understanding the way that you're approaching YouTube. It seems to be that you got your deep catalog people who watch one. Do you find that they watch one and therefore watch a previous one? They like one and they're yeah. going to watch a whole bunch more. I think one like I had this video go viral. And I, that was all through the algorithm and through browse features. But what I saw from that was people would just be clicking and just right, yeah. absorbing every other video. And people would message being like, I've watched all your videos. Or mm -hmm. It's cool to see the situations that people are watching all these videos in. Like with the coronavirus, I've had people say, oh, uh, we're in quarantine. So we've watched all your videos this weekend. Or during the fires in Australia, I had a yeah. few letter from staff at a hospital in Brisbane who said, hey, we just want to let you know we had your playlist on just on loop so that whenever we were in the break room, we had something funny on screen to kind of 
lift our spirits and take a break. Awesome. And I think that's really cool. And I think people watch one and then watch another because either they don't believe I can do it and they're like, these must all be plants. Well, I'm going to see if you can do it again. And I had someone post a reaction video where they essentially do that. He's just watching it and going, yeah, this is good, but it's definitely not real. Like, I bet this is the one time it went well or, you know, all these other suggestions, the other ones would be from the same people. And then he clicks the next one. He's like, oh, no, I think this guy's real. And then he clicks the next one. Like, no, literally, oh, oh, I'm, I'm blown away. This is the best thing I've ever seen. But then also there's the people who love it and they just want to keep watching more because they're like, this is the time. A lot of it's people, I think, who... Because my, my demo is, on YouTube especially, is 97% male. Male, yeah. Um, which is obviously you know, skewed by the fact that I think YouTube is a, a more male place. And I get that kind of Reddit crowd, which again is quite male. But I think a lot of them want to do it. Right. And so it's the thing that you know, I'm, I'm planning a kind of course where I can be like, hey, this is how I can teach you not to do it as well as me, but as well as you're able to. And I think that'll be really cool because also there's some of the skills that go into it are applicable to other things. Like I talk at conferences about how you can use my secrets to become more creative or become more, you know, sure. in these other things because it, it's, it's exactly the same as public speaking or coming up with ideas. Right. So I, I think a lot of people are really impressed by it and they go, I wish I could do that. And one thing that people come to me at shows is they go, hey, I watch your videos where you talk about how you do it. And I've been practicing those things. And mm. I just want to let you know that I, you know, I, I really enjoy it. I have no desire to get on stage and do it, but I do it. And I, it makes me happy that I can do it. And well, that's, that's fun to me. But that's exciting because I think one of the biggest skills that us as kind of content creators, one of the things we really struggle with is being able to tell a good story. And the thing that you do really well is tell a good story. You take us through a journey, even though it's suggestions from the crowd, you, it's not just five suggestions and you get started. It's more of, there's a bit of banter back and forth until you get, get ready to go. And then yeah. you drop the beat and there, there it goes. Do you think that this is a skill that us as content creators, I mean, I have a technology channel. I would like to do, to be a better storyteller. Could I use some of those techniques not to challenge you on stage, God forbid, but more of how do I tell a better story about my latest Wi-Fi gadgets? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot by virtue of being a, a stand-up comedian, you learn storytelling skills. And also, I mean, again, I grew up reading and being told stories and all these things. I was very fortunate that my parents were uh, very into all that. But there were yeah, YouTubers definitely. to be. And yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? But yeah, storytelling is obviously, I'm sure your listeners will have heard all this before. It is an engaging thing that we we need as creators to kind of harness because if there's, you know, a beginning and an end, that's people stick around for the end, etc. Um I don't know if I've ever consciously thought about it on in my reps. Like, but I, I know that when you give the audience the satisfaction of an end, whether that's through a combination of topics, like, oh, this character I'd rapped about, this parking attendant giving you a fine, and I was rapping about, someone had said coronavirus, and I had rejected it and said, no, I'm, I'm not going to rap about that. Um, I've, I'd already done a rap about it in a live show, like a, a more late night show, and in much earlier, late January. So fewer people had died, so it was comedically acceptable. 
And then in the wrap at the end, I was like, you know, oh no, this parking attendant's going to give me this fine. Oh, I can't afford this. I'm going to, you know, again in rhyme. And then suddenly he drops dead and I don't get the fine. And I'm like, wow, why did he fall silent? He'd, you know, he'd been on a flight and he caught coronavirus. And the audience like, boom, wow, look at that. He synthesized the information to give us a real ending. In the same way that you do callbacks, like the video that went viral, I'd, I'd rejected sausage as a suggestion. And one thing in that video that people love is, I'm like, no, you can't suggest food. I'm not going to take sausage. And then at the end of the rap, I finish by rapping about a sausage. And that end is always a thing that, you're showing control and that there's actually thought going into something. Mm. Um, I think, but telling a story is hard. And one thing that people can do is, you know, read screenwriting books, read, I mean, I'm not going to be that one of those hack guys like, yeah, read Robert McKee's story, man. It's so important. But those are techniques that we can all leverage. Um, And if you watch any stand-up comedian, their show, you know, the best shows are full of callbacks because it gives a sense of structure. I mean, callbacks is an easy sense of structure, right? Mm -hmm. All you're doing is mentioning, like earlier in the show, when I mentioned granola, I mentioned it again, like a few minutes later, because you know, a callback gets a laugh. Right. Because it's a dopamine thing. Our brain's like, we recognize that. So it's, it's little skills that are going to kind of help you tell a better story and maybe kind of using those techniques, we can improve the way that we portray information. Nobody wants to listen to 29 specs of the latest phone. That's just boring. You can read that anyway. But if you can deliver it in a better, in a better way, well, perhaps that's, that's pretty cool to do. Yeah, I mean, if you're if, using a phone example, right, you've got like, you know, if there's a flagship thing, if you're talking about, it's got a bendy screen, whatever. If uh, three times in the review of the phone, you keep going, and don't forget, it's got a bendy screen. <laughs> People are like, oh, that's fun, right? Okay, right. Yeah, it, it's just super simple, and there's little things that... I'm sure, you know, I'm sure people who want to be better creators watch a lot of other creators and see what they mm, do. Mm. Um, but yeah. Well, do, do you find that with the way YouTube is like acting up and forever changing, the algorithm changes, do you ever need to sacrifice your creativity for the algorithm? That's interesting. Um, I think one thing that I sometimes battle with is on, so because my my default videos which are excerpts from live shows because they are on stage i worry that i sometimes sacrifice audience enjoyment for my online audience enjoyment if that makes sense right mm-hmm. so in the little things right in my live shows now because i've added an extra camera where i have the audience film they have a friend mm-hmm ground and film the crowd so you can see their reactions because that was a thing that like again engage with your commenters see what works and a lot of people are like oh i love it when you can see the audience yes i did a show in a different club where they have camp fixed on the audience and they said i love that i can see that guy's face when you rap about his suggestion so i started doing it and people really like it and it's it's super easy for me it takes a bit more time editing but you know i was like it's not even it's just my phone camera right and i just you know ask a friend to hold it and to do that better, I asked the club to put the lights up a bit. And it's definitely weird for the crowd that the house lights come on. Mm. However, without the lights, it's kind of grainy and it doesn't look as good. With the lights, boom. And they forget about it. And so all I had to do is do a joke about why I put the lights on now. And I say, oh, it's to stop, you know, idiot men hiding at the back shouting out penis as a suggestion. Because right. I can see your faces, so you're now accountable for what you say. And you kind of settle them in the same way that when you film a stand-up show, 
it's good that the cameras are fixed in the sky, fixed in the, you know, the lighting rig, because right. then they don't know there's a camera there. When you film it with like cameras walking around, mm. people become self-conscious and they're like, oh, I'm being filmed. And as soon as someone realizes they're being filmed, they change the behavior. So that's always a bit annoying. But that's like a little sacrifice that I feel, okay, I do that because I want my videos to be better and I want more people to watch them. But then there's other things like I'll be doing a live show and someone will suggest something and I'm like, I've had the suggestion recently for a video and I don't take the same suggestion twice, but I will ask it to be more specific. So if someone said baby Yoda and I do a baby Yoda rap, if someone then says baby Yoda again, and this often happens because these, you know, memes kind of spread and people, Mm -hmm. everyone's thinking about the same thing. Like this happened with coronavirus. It got suggested three days in a week. Um, Jeffrey Epstein kept getting suggested. Now, in a live show, without the filming, I would take the suggestion and I would just say, cool, um, what specific part of Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself or Jeffrey Epstein's jet or Jeffrey Epstein's friendships with world leaders? I would take that and the rap would be about one of those things. Whereas with the videos, I'm then like, ah, that's annoying because now I've got videos coming out which have very similar things. It's interesting because then people can see, wow, he raps about totally different things each time, which again is obviously a big part of it. But I found myself going, telling the audience, no, that's not a good enough suggestion because I'm holding them now to a higher standard. Standard, right, right. So that affects my live show. It, that only matters at like shows where it's not my show. So my tour show, I know the suggestions are going to be great because I know people coming there are really thinking and up in their game. A kind of general headlining a comedy show where people are just there for comedy, that's when it's different. So I try and strike a balance between, because sometimes it'll take me five or six minutes to get the suggestions because I'm just rejecting one. Yes, yes, yes. Boring. And I tell them, I'm like, this is for your benefit, which it kind of is, but it's also for my benefit. <laughs> um, and I, I think, you know, there's one thing to think about is YouTube has pushed me further in my performance because I know the platform likes longer videos and I know that my viewers will watch the whole video. So therefore I know putting out a 10 minute video is not going to penalize me because they're not going to click off. It will in fact help me because YouTube's like, wow, they watch all this video. Great. More time to serve ads. So what YouTube has done that's beneficial is it's made me work more in the intro to the rap, right? The raps are always three or four minutes long because that's the sweet spot I feel for the raps. But if the first six minutes of the video is me chatting to the audience, it has to be entertaining. And also yes, it has absolutely. to be unedited because otherwise people think I'm cheating. Right. So it's made my live shows. I'm a better crowd work comedian now. Okay. I, I can entertain with no jokes, just with chat and banter and coming back and forth and someone will say a suggestion and then I'm turning that into a routine. And that's actually made me a better comic. And people comment saying, wow, your crowd work is so smooth now. Or comparing this to then, you know, it used to take a minute to get the suggestions like boom, 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 wrap. Right. And now it's much more like the suggestion getting is as part of the, as much a part of the performance. It's part of the act, just. Yeah. Obviously the rap is more exciting and more fun, <laughs> but I want my banter to be good as well. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised how you remember all the suggestions, but hey, that's just me. It's so weird that that's like the main thing that people say. Yep. They go, I can't believe that you remembered all those things. Yep. Go, well, that's, that's not the impressive thing here. The impressive <laughs> thing is they're like, yeah, but I can't remember five things. Um, and so that's fun to me that people 
you know, think that's the impressive thing. But you know, I'm not going to be like, shut up, that's not the impressive thing. I'll be like, oh, cheers, thank you. Right. Uh, it's, it's great. And for those who have never watched your videos, this is my plug myself moment. Where can somebody find you? Should they follow you on social media? Yeah, I mean, they, you see your they stuff. definitely should. I mean, go check out a video first. Go to the YouTube channel, which is slash Chris PJ Turner. But you can just search Chris Turner rap and something will come up. Um, and then if you like that, you know, obviously subscribe and then uh, follow. I mean, my if you, if you like it to the point you want to see it live, great. I have shows on sale. I have a mailing list on my website, Chris Turner Comedy. See if I'm near you. Sign up to the mailing list and I'll... T- essentially just direct email you when i'm in your city i'm just sick of people being like when are you coming here i'm like just give me your email i will only email you when i'm in or around your city like it's not hard um i mean i'm very glad people want to come out and see me but oh if i have to just be like people like why are you coming to madagascar because it's madagascar mate i'm not coming to madagascar when there's 30 people on my mailing list who live in madagascar i'll fly to madagascar Madagascar. i love vanilla beans so it'll be perfect. And Lima. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, find me on Instagram and stuff. It's interesting, kind of like different social media platforms who's talking with the content. But like, I like, I like that YouTube has the community page and is being more personal because I like sharing personal stuff. Like I, on Instagram, I posted a, a picture of me at the Grand Canyon and I was like, oh, and swipe and see my mum because I, I took my mum there. And people were like, oh my God, Mummy Turner. And <laughs> it, it's cool to be able to be like, hey, this is the person that right. you know, has paid for the hire car to drive us to the Grand Canyon. A, he's a real boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, because I think it is interesting how those barriers kind of work. Like yeah. we're not the, the Hollywood stars who were distant. We're real people who people want to feel like they get to know you. And so therefore, yeah, like a little vlog is fun or a little post of behind the scenes is a real sneak peek that, humanizes you in a sense that makes complete sense and of course we're going to have all these show notes we'll have all the links so if somebody did miss anything it will be available so you guys can go ahead and click on that chris thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule flying around the world as i said and um, just spending some time just chatting youtube and how it's working for you appreciate your time thank you so much and thank you to the people who listened if even if it was only for my mellifluous british accent I listen, they, they're coming to my accent too. So I think we're doing well, <laughs> like a double whammy. And for the rest of you guys still hanging out here, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application. Share this episode with at least one other creator that's perhaps is trying to use YouTube as a business. And maybe this is another direction that they could be going and looking out to do. And guys, if you need anything, let us know in the comments below. Drop me an email. And of course, let, leave us a review. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Tube Talk. Chris, thanks again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.